Um, hi, everybody. I'm Katie. I think I, I don't know some of you, so welcome. If I don't know you, I want to meet you afterwards. Um, I just got a new contraption to use, and so now I've got to make sure I know how to do this. Um, guys, it's been like a long time since I think I've brought the word to you in elongated form. Sometimes I'm bringing it in little form lately, and that's fine. But, man, it's been a little while. I was like, do I remember how to do this? But do I remember how to talk? Absolutely. Does Jesus randomly come out of my mouth when I talk? Yeah, so I think we're good. I think I always, I always bring it back around to that, so that's good. All right, yes, Chael said we are um, in this series uh, looking at kingdom culture versus the culture of the world. And sometimes we get really used to the culture of the world. And so we sometimes just need a reminder what Jesus really teaches us the culture of the kingdom looks like. And then just being really honest about some tensions that might arise um, in us and in our lives when we kind of compare the two. Maybe how we're living compared to how Jesus asked us to live or how we see the world compared to how uh, the kingdom is to be lived in. And so that can get a little weird sometimes, um, but I'm excited to do the weirdness with you. Uh, One thing I really um, want for us today is just a reminder, as we've been talking about kingdom culture, um, Chael has talked about how the kingdom exposes our values and it overcomes evil, and it brings us freedom. And I know that probably everybody in this room is down for overcoming evil and getting more free, right? The exposing our values part gets a little weird, um, for me anyway. I don't know about you. That can get a little sketchy. But I really just encourage you to be honest today. So be honest with yourself and with God and maybe even each other as we just kind of hear from the Lord, um, I feel like there is, the kingdom just calls for honesty, right? And that can be hard and that can create some tension, but we're all loved. We're all in it together. And so I just encourage you as you listen, if something feels weird, if you feel some tension about something, that's okay. Uh, Just be honest, like this feels weird. I don't know if I like that. I don't know what I think about that, God. Just be honest with him. Um, Because that is that is so valuable to him for us to be able to be honest. He knows it, but it means something to him when we're honest with him about it. So let's pray real quick, and then we'll get started. God, thank you so much for just worship today and the way that you have, like always, shown up and have just called out the best in us. Um, Thank you so much for showering us with your love and your attention. Um, And I pray that you would uh, see to each one of our hearts today that you would minister to us Um, that you would speak clearly to us. I pray that um, every word that I speak would be from your heart, and if there's anything that is not from you, that we would just forget about it and be able to brush it away, and that whatever needs to stick with us would stick. Um, You are good, and we just trust your spirit in us, and we trust your power. And so we are so grateful for your word and to be able to learn together for this moment, um, to be in the same room and hearing from you is such a gift. Amen. Okay, so we are going to talk today about, I mean, I like this table. This is the exact part where my elbows are. It's probably not true for you, Chael, but I like this. We're going to talk today about how the kingdom values the secret space. How the kingdom values secrets as well as public. 
So here's the thing. I want us to start out with a little bit of honest conversation. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Don't freak out. See if you're bold. Okay. Who here would like to admit by a raise of hand that you enjoy being seen? You enjoy being seen? I, okay. No, 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 no. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. It kind of, when, we, when we say things like that, like, I enjoy being seen, some things that come to mind are like, I enjoy attention, which my hand would also go up for that. I enjoy being the center of things, which, I mean, my hand would also go up that. I don't mind it. Like, I'm just saying, it's not a, it's not a bad thing to me sometimes. Um, and so those are kind of some things we think about, but when we think about visibility, right? And some of us are like, I don't like being in the center of things. Okay, I get that. But I'll ask you one more question. Um, is there anyone here who has like, I don't know, one or two friends or family that you enjoy hanging out with, that just you're with them and they fill you up? I love that it's a kid hand. Thank you. That just like you're with people, they fill you up and you love being with them. Just even one or two people in your life. Maybe you have more, but just, man, I just love being around you. I feel so filled up when I'm with you. Mark, raise your hand. You know that's true. Okay. <laughs> you know I got to, every time I'm picking on you, I feel like. <laughs> All of us, right? All of us have that, or at least even if we feel like there are seasons when, man, I don't know that I have that. It's a desire we have. We want that. We would welcome that. That means we like to be seen. We like to be seen. We like to be known. We like to belong. And sometimes I think, especially in a place like that, it's hard to admit to something that feels on the outside so worldly, right? I like to be seen. But, but I think that there's a truth there, not just that it's something that we desire, but maybe even it's something that we need. I mean, why do any of us have relationships at all? Because we have an innate human desire and need to be seen and known and to belong. And on the one hand, it feels really good to be seen. It feels good um, to, to belong and to be known. It feels right. Um, but it's not just about the feelings. This need is really real in us. Being seen and known actually psychologically tells our brains that we're safe right, that we're protected, and those are things on a really deep level that we just need to know as humans, right, especially in a world where anxiety is like through the roof. People are anxious in a way that they've never been in history before, so anything that can kind of stamp down that anxiety to make us feel protected and safe, we're going to be interested in, right? We have this need to be seen, and that makes sense like I said, from a psychological perspective, but it also makes sense from a kingdom perspective and from a biblical perspective. So we're going to look real quick. I don't need you to turn there. We're going to look real quick at Genesis 1. What does it say? This is the account of creation, okay? Saying that God is creating all of these things, and it comes down in verse 26 when God is like, we got to make humans. This is going to be great. We're going to have them be in authority and dominion over the world, they're going to take care of it for us. It's going to be awesome. And so they create man and woman in their image, and it's beautiful. And God says, this is what you're going to be doing. This is what you get to do while you are here. You get to have authority over the world. But before they start that, before they do anything, what does God say? 
or what does the Bible say that God does? He looks at them and he says, you are good. Anybody? Okay. Thought we were going to, that's fine. So God says, it says that God looked on all that he had made and he said, it's good. Before humans did anything, one of the first interactions God had with humanity was to look at them and say, man, that's good. I like that. I made something good. And that word there when it says God saw what he was made, it can also be translated as he gazed upon. God gazed upon humanity and said, that's good. Is it any wonder that we long for a gaze? It's no wonder that we long to be seen. It's no, longer that we, it's no wonder that we need to be seen. When humanity has experienced the gaze of the creator, man, nothing else is going to compare to it. Nothing else will fill that need so fully and absolutely as God's eyes on you. When my kids were little, they, like for birthdays, we do birthday dinners. I don't know if anybody else does that. Where do you want to go for your birthday is always the question. Where do you want to eat out? Because I'm not cooking something. And they're like, always when they were real tiny, McDonald's. McDonald's, McDonald's, every time. And I'm like, guys, there's so many other options. Do you really want, yes, McDonald's. But then, then they start finding out about other stuff. They're like, now I'm like, what do you want for your birthday? Sushi, right? And I was trying to think of other things they say, but like that's, that's just the thing. They don't really ask for anything else for their birthdays, but like sushi all the time, right? Once you've had something really amazing, you're like, I could have McDonald's anytime. I don't need that. Nothing is going to fill. When you're craving sushi, McDonald's, a burger and fries, is not going to cut it. Now, don't get me wrong. I love, I'm not hating on McDonald's because I eat it all the time. <laughs> I really do. It makes me so happy. Not later when I'm eating it. It makes me happy. And so humanity just got to enjoy the gaze of the Father, and it filled us up. It was so good. But then brokenness and sin came into the world. We invited it in, and we began to lose sight of God's gaze on us. So if we don't have a need met naturally, we will do whatever is necessary to get that need met in some way or another, right? The world may have forgotten God's gaze, but it has not forgotten its need to be seen. And so this is the world we live in. A world that prizes visibility and making ourselves seen and making sure we are seen but also a world that's forgotten that we already are. Our culture, um, I think we could all kind of agree, that when we think about our culture, it's easy and kind of being seen and visibility, it's easy to think about social media, right? Reality TV, celebrity culture. There's like this culture of like just putting ourselves out there, right? People posting their whole lives and, and just letting it all out and bring, giving the world access to what we do and what we say and our families. But really, the world right now is just a caricature of the deeper, the deeper thing. This isn't new. This isn't new. Can I just, sometimes when we talk about the culture of the world, we get a little judgy, like a little. 
even though we're like living in it and all of us are engaging in it in some way, we get a little judgy. But it's, it's guys, it's not the way we're filling these needs, the way we're doing this is new, but this isn't new. We have always wanted to be seen. From the way we act, to the way we dress, to the way we speak, to the jobs we have, the positions we work for, we not only struggle to be seen, we even craft ourselves into what we think people want to see or be led by or be friends with or what we think we should be. We're all working in some way to be seen. And I believe that Jesus wants us to relearn how to be seen and see from the one who first gazed on us. So we're going to look at, we're going to spend our time in Matthew 5 today. Well, Matthew 6, actually. But it's like all kind of together. So I just, real quick, an aside. Guys, when you're on your phone, I'm not, it's fine. When you're on your phone and you're reading the Bible, it's excellent, excellent tool. But you just don't see it laid out like this. And I would encourage you sometimes to like crack open an actual Bible because I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not even, Chael didn't pay me to say this. So he doesn't pay me for anything. It's fine. So that was a good joke. So you're just, I, I look at it and I can see like things laid out patterns, right? Things that Jesus said, you know, at the beginning of a, se- of a, of a section and then near the end and you start to see patterns and the spirit really brings some things alive. I would encourage you to really like look at the broader width of scripture that way sometimes with the actual book. But we're going to look at six first and I'm going to kind of give you the gist, right? So there's a section that is kind of split up talking about giving to the needy, talking about prayer, and talking about fasting. And I'm just going to read real quick through it. I think I've got the slides up here. It starts out in verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Moving on. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Moving on. They give a little, like, nice little, this is how we pray. Then we're moving on to the fasting part. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. When you fast, put oil on your beard and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Same tagline, right? Every single time. This is just Jesus pointing out people, a type of need that people are trying to fill, trying to prove themselves, trying to earn something, to be what others wanted, to be what others would look up to, trying to look better or seem closer to God. Maybe even they thought this would bring them closer to God. Maybe make them more holy. All these good things, prayer, fasting, giving, and Jesus says, don't tell anybody. Don't talk about it. Keep it a secret. Why? He spends the whole chapter 5 
basically talking about this is how the outward and the public um, outpouring of a relationship with, with God in the kingdom. And then he's like, yeah, but these things like do in secret. Now, we could spend some time being like, why do we give in secret? Why do we pray in secret? Why do we fast in secret? Those are different, those are different messages. Right now, it's why the secrecy? What is so special about the secret? This is about recapturing, recapturing the value of hiddenness. Because in the secret place, there are only two people involved. You and the Father. That's it. There are only two people involved. You and the Father. In that space, no one else has access to you. No one else is there for you to compare yourself to. No one else is there for you to say, I should. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I'm falling short here. That's a conversation, sure, that sometimes God has with us, but nobody else needs to be a part of, those, of that conversation. We live, once again, in a culture that has invited people into everything we do. When Jesus is saying, hey, but there is a value in being hidden. There is a value in secrecy with me. I have spent a good portion of my life crafting an image that I thought people wanted to see. And maybe some of you may not believe this. A lot of you know because I just talk about it all the time. But uh, this is just, this wasn't because I was trying to be manipulative or mean or dupe a bunch of people. This was how I found my belonging. This is how I figured out how to be seen and get that need met. I would do whatever it is the people around me wanted me to do or be so that I could belong and I could be successful and I could be seen. And I was really good at it. That's why people didn't notice I was doing it. I was super good at it until they might compare notes. They'd be like, why is Katie different with everybody? <laughs> they never did. So I had to tell them myself about that. People, people don't realize they assume you're not, like, they assume you're honest. But I didn't, like I said, I didn't necessarily know that I was doing this. But it came from a long line of being told that who I was wasn't what people wanted. And so I changed and I became a chameleon. And that's a whole nother long story. But I was constantly clamoring for the attention of others. Sincerely just to be seen. It felt good to be seen, but it became addictive and I would do whatever was necessary for the next hit of affirmation or approval from anyone around me. And it would sustain me for a while. I'd be walking high. Man, I'm known. I'm seen. I feel good with God. Everything feels great. And then it would wear off, and I would be lost again. The real issue for me was that I always wondered, does anybody really want to see me? Not just this image I have crafted. It was a terrible cycle. And my conversations with God at the time revolved around, what should I do next? What am I doing? I need you to tell me. I need you to give me the word of like, what, how to do this thing next. Basically, what should I craft next for you, for people? It was never a two-way conversation. It was, you just got to save me from this. I don't know if you guys know this, but God is not Google Maps. So he doesn't always just give us the next turn-by-turn -turn directions. Um, sometimes we have to have a conversation with him, right? He's not a Garmin. 
whoa, that was weird. Do we know what Garmin's are? We Remember Daniel Jr.? Yeah, okay. He's now my... It's okay. I was always the young one. So, like, I'm so glad you're here. It makes me so happy. So now I'm going to pick on you. You're safe, Mark. Um, I lost my place from being funny. God is a relational God, a personal God, and wants to commune with us in a personal and sacred and oftentimes secret way, a way that people don't see, a way that people don't know. I wanted God to tell me what to do publicly next, and he wanted me to rediscover the secret place with him. So God began to bring my attention to the unseen, and I became more unseen in my life in my profession, and even relationally than I have ever been. And they were very lonely times. I'm not saying that God made me lonely, but I found myself in lonely places where being seen by the world just wasn't an option. And I had no other choice but to turn to him. I became a stay-at-home mom of little toddlers, which is like the most unseen job ever because it's like hard to go places with them, so you're not out I tried to live at the library, basically, like, I just need to be around people. It was so hard all the time and very unseen. So when I had no one to talk to, I just talked to him. And our conversations began to change. When I felt like I couldn't show my real self to others, I showed it to him. I found him in his word and in his promises and in secret conversations with him that no one ever knew about and will ever know about. Here's the thing, you will have conversations with God that no one will ever know about. Okay? And I want to give you permission, the currency in this, within this faith family is not, I got, I got to tell you all the conversations God and I are saying so you know that I'm with him, so you know that I'm holy, so you know that I'm doing it right. We don't need that currency from you. You can keep things secret. You can have conversations just between you and him. That's awesome. Do that. You don't have to prove yourself to us. The secret place. Nope. What if instead of running from the unseen and staving it off or pretending it isn't there, God is asking us to lean into it? I mean, I found my creator there. In the secret, in the quiet, in the unseen, I found him there. I rediscovered his gaze. The secret place is not some special mind place or meditation. Those things aren't bad. Or a time of day. But it's an honest space. He said the kingdom requires honesty from us. When we're just there with the creator, man, you guys, it's brutally honest in such a holy way. It's an honest space with our creator, just you and the one who made you, where you can't craft an image, where you can't lie to yourself, you can't hide your needs or desires or hide from God's truth. Jesus is saying that the world will never give you what you need, will never see you the way the creator sees you. And so my question for you is, do you make space in your life for honest presence with your creator? 
I mean, really, we don't have to fabricate this. We don't have to do all the right things and get up at 5 a.m. And, man, thank the, thank the Lord I don't have to get up at 5 a.m. to have a secret relationship with him. I'm so, I'm so happy for that. Some, he asked me to do that for a season, and it was, it was difficult. That's all I'm going to say. It was lovely, but not all the time. Do you have a regular time when you're not looking for advice or direction or affirmation or approval from anyone else and you're just going to him. Do you go to your friends and family first to see what they think? Or do you bring your cares and concerns and your honesty and your fear and your hurt to your creator first? And do you feel comfortable being unseen by the world? On the flip side of that, do you feel comfortable being seen by God? We can all get a little itchy under that, right? Like I said, we can't hide from him. Sometimes that's why we push away that idea of being with him, just him and us. Jesus is not saying here that you shouldn't want to be seen. Hear what I'm saying. I am not saying you got you to gotta kill it. You got to kill that need to be seen. No. He's just saying you already are. Even in this entire, uh, this is the Sermon on the Mount, by the way, that uh, this, our excerpt was taken from today. And if you look at the beginning of this time when Jesus is, is teaching people who are following him, in chapter 5, it starts out with what we call the Beatitudes. And it's, he just starts this entire thing with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger, for they will thirst for righteousness. Righteousness, on and on and on. And the great thing about this is we have all been one of these people at one time or another. And Jesus is saying, before he lays out anything else, God sees you. The Father sees you. He sees you. So no matter what I'm going to say, and no matter where we're going to go, and no matter what happens, God sees you. That's the most important thing for you to know. God sees you. You give in secret, the Father sees you. You pray in secret, the Father sees you. You fast in secret, the Father sees you. You work hard, you lead with integrity, you learn new things, you practice patience, you serve others. When you fail, when you fall short, when you're wrapped in insecurities and desperations, the Father sees you and knows you and loves you. It's such a simple idea. We've been told this since we were little. How many of us are just like living in the freedom constantly that we are seen and known? I'm not. I won't ask you to raise your hands for that one. Do you ever, I mean, I don't even think, you don't have to have kids to know that this is true. You know how kids are constantly telling you to look at them? Just all the time. More than even my kids just say, mommy, it's mama, look. Look, look at what I'm doing. Mom, look at me. And I swear to you, it's like, you'll look, and they'll be like doing a thing, I don't know, some sort of cartwheel or whatever, and they won't turn and look at you to see if you're looking and say, Mom, look, I am looking. Like, I am, and I'm like, look at me looking at you. Like, I am looking at you. And then they'll keep going, Mom, look, I don't know how to look. 
at you any more than I am looking at you right now, like I could be you right now. I am with you, nothing else matters, everything is faded away, and I am here with you. Like I don't know how else, this is literal conversations I've had with much, I don't know how to tell you that I'm looking at you any more than I'm looking at you, but they're not looking at me to find out. They're assuming, they're doing their thing, and they're assuming that I'm not looking. We do this so often with God. We're living our lives and we're assuming, I don't think God's looking at me. He's looking at you. He's sitting there being like, I could not be looking at you any more than I am looking at you right now. It's impossible. And that is, it's hard for us to imagine because there's so many of us and there's so one of God. And, and it's like our brains don't get it, right? Even I'm trying to teach my kids, right? Like the, like the omnipresence of God. And they're like, I don't, I don't understand. What are you saying to me? He has his full attention on you at all times. If we don't feel the gaze of the Father, it is because we just got to practice knowing the gaze of the Father because it is there. Jesus says God is already close. He waits for us to turn our attention to him and notice that his eyes are already always on us. We don't find him in the titles and publicity. We don't find him in uh, the success and the visibility. We don't even find him in emulating other good Christian men and women. I'm going to say it again. We do not find him in emulating other good Christian men and women. He's not there. We won't find what we need being like somebody else. I can take, I'm going to pick on you, I can take Jen, I know, she's like, do it, do it, I want you to hear me, I want to hear you say my name, I could take my entire schedule and my entire day and my character, because you know I'm good at that, emulating people, and I could change it to look exactly like Jen, and I will not understand what it's like for me to sit in the presence of Jesus, because Jesus is like, why is Jen here again? <laughs> Why are you being like her? I talked to her earlier. <laughs> I'm already looking at her. I want to look at you. We can't find it by being anybody but ourselves. Where our spirits commune with his, where all distractions fall away, and we are forced to be honest about our intentions and our beliefs and our needs and our desires. Where we come face to face with his intentions, which are always good, his beliefs, which are always true, and his desires, which are always for us and for the kingdom. I believe, I really do, that the church in general, and especially this faith family of ours, is in a season where we are getting more comfortable being honest, and that is awesome. We are being honest about our unbelief and our doubts and our fears and our sin. And as we move forward in this, it's going to be uncomfortable and it may feel lonely. Our true nature is being exposed. And it's easy at this time to start turning away. It's easy to forget the gaze of the Father. It's easy to say, I'm just, I'm, I'm so angry, I can't. Or I'm too filled with pain. I can't be a part of what God has for me. I can't, I can't stand his gaze on me. His gaze will not harm you. It will set you free. And so I really encourage us as we move forward in this season as a church, keep being honest. Press into the honesty, right? But be honest with your creator. 
Let him see that honesty. Don't isolate yourselves. Don't isolate and push him away. God loves our true nature. It's how he made us. And he wants to sit with you in all your doubt and your fear and your unbelief and your pain. He wants to be the first one we run to. He wants his word to be the thing that gives us life, not the world. Not even the people in this room, right? We can't save each other, guys. I think sometimes we think that the church saves people, and it doesn't. Jesus saves people, and we don't have to do anything but be the air traffic controllers, right? We're like, this way, look, we can bring people's attention to how they are loved, and they are seen, and they are known. We can bring people's attention to the word, but at the end of the day, we don't get to save anybody. That's not our job. God's got it. This right here, too, this is the last thing I'm going to say. This is the, one of the, just the wonders of the secret place, okay? Seen people, see people. You ever heard of hurt people, hurt people? Well, you all know that one, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I've heard the done it, been there, done that. Seen people, see people. When you know you are seen, when you are secure in the gaze of the Father, of your Creator, man, you start seeing people for who they were made to be, too. It may not come as a surprise to you that this, this season of life that I was sharing about, I uh, really was so steeped in this need to be seen and noticed by others that I had almost a non-existent one-on-one relation, -on -one relationship with Jesus. I really struggled feeling compassion for people and praying for people and encouraging them. That might come as a surprise to you because I love to tell people now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to tell you how great you are right now. If you have been around me for any amount of time, if you want some, come get me, because I will tell you how amazing your creator made you. 100%. I love it. But I would have called myself, I don't know, 10 years ago, like, I'm just very, I'm not, I have no compassion in me. Like, I'm, I'm very, like, broken and dark, and I don't care when people are in pain. I'm serious. But that was because I had no connection to God's love for me and gaze on me. I was so busy trying to make myself seen that I couldn't see others. This is what happens in our world. This is why our culture is what it is. So many people fighting to be seen all the time that we're running around looking down. How do I do it? How do I get what I need? How do I get what I need? And God wants us to give us a breath and say, look up. I've got you. I see you. You have the space to look out and see who needs to be seen because they don't, they don't know about me. They don't know how to connect to me. They don't know about my gaze. When we are seen and known well by others, not because of something we have crafted, but because of just who we are and where we are, it's this incredible moment because we realize this is how God sees me. So when we notice others, when we see them, and it comes from a place of really being seen and known, they get real excited, guys. Do you know that feeling when somebody is like encouraging you and telling you true things about you and you just, oh man, it feels so good. A lot of times I'm like, no, 
not true. That's hard. That's something I'm working on. It's like, yes, I want to receive that. But it's because it's just like, oh my gosh, this is how God sees me. We get to point people towards the gaze of the creator. Oh, and it's just the best feeling. That's what we get to do for people. This is how the kingdom spreads. This is how the kingdom breaks through. This is how people know how good Jesus is. So don't stop encouraging each other, right? Don't keep everything, don't keep those things secret. Just know whose gaze is on you and walk forward in confidence that you can bring that knowledge to somebody else. You can let somebody else experience that. Not so they can be like, man, Katie just is amazing and she makes me feel so good. But Katie just will not shut up about Jesus. I want to know more about him. That is my heart. That is my heart. I want you to forget my name and know Jesus. We're going to close. I'm going to have the band come up. This is not an issue. If you've noticed, I've not talked barely at all about kind of the public side of this. We've sat in this, what does it look like to have this secret relationship with God? And that's because this is not about a balancing act. This is not, I got to do this many things in public, and I got to do this many things in secret, and I got to make sure that they're even. This is about a wellspring. The things that people see in us, see us doing, hear us saying, should come from a wellspring of being known and loved. It should just burst out of us. It should come from a deep-rooted knowledge of God's gaze on us. Because we will run out dry so quickly trying to hold up a public persona of a good Christian or somebody who does the right things or says the right things or fits into this culture, or fits into church culture, or whatever you're trying to do, you will run dry. It won't be enough. It has to come from a deep knowledge. I am seen, and I am known by the one whose gaze matters most. Imagine being so steeped in the gaze of the holy God that we no longer have to prove anything. Imagine your life like that. Then when we are invisible and unseen by the world, we're secure, and that's okay. And when we are seen and visible to the world, everything we do points to the Father. What kind of world would this be? What if we loved and encouraged people because of who they were created to be instead of how they've proved themselves to us? What if it wasn't about working hard, but it was just about seeing each other? That, guys, the kingdom would just take off. It would take off. And so I really want to sit just for a little bit. I'm going to read Psalm 139, and at least the first half of it. And I want us to close our eyes and just sit and we're, we're here together, and this is just a wonderful time when we get to do something together. But I just want you to, we're going to practice this secret space right now, just together. So I want you to close your eyes, and we are just going to 
imagine that it's just us and our creator. And I don't know what kind of feelings that might bring up in you. I don't know if that brings anxiety or tension or worry or joy or peace. But just kind of be honest about what that brings for you. What are you feeling right now thinking about just being face to face with your creator? I want you to think about how he might be looking at you. Is he, is, is the thing that you think he might be looking like disappointed? He's not. Do maybe you see him being angry? Not when he looks at you. He is loving towards you. And I want you to imagine his gaze just sweeping over you and your entire life, everything that you have ever done, everything that you have ever said, everything that you will do. And hear his voice saying, I see you. You can't hide from me, and I love you. Imagine him saying to you, I want more of this with you. I'm going to read through this scripture, and I just want us to sit in this posture for a moment. We are collectively proclaiming this to God. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. You have laid your hand on me. Just receive that. He has laid his hand on you. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder, and it brings me strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? And I'll answer that, nowhere. There is no, nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of God. God sees you. God's gaze is on you. His love knows you. that God is is building this wellspring in us right now. 
he's building this knowledge in us that he sees us and that he knows us. And he's growing our hearts to be able to hold that knowledge secure and not let it go. That that knowledge will never leave us. And I encourage you to start thinking about who could you give this away to this week? This feeling of being seen. This knowledge of being known. Maybe God's going to bring someone to mind right now that he would like you to encourage this week, not just because of maybe what they've done for you or what they've said or what they've proven, but just to see God's image in them and call that out. Who is somebody that you can encourage this week and give this security to? It won't diminish your own. It only grows. Who's somebody that just needs to know that the Father's gaze is on them? You don't have to preach them a sermon. You can just say, I see you. I've said to people who don't even know Jesus, guys, man, your generosity, that is God's image on you. You want to see somebody who does not believe in God be brought to tears about God. That's the way to do it. It gets me every time. I'm like, you don't even believe this. But God has a way of just capturing our hearts. It's what we all long to hear. We long to be seen and known. And so how can you give some of that away this week? God, you are so good to us and we are so thankful for the way that you are growing our hearts and the way that you are teaching us to know you more, the way you are teaching us to see you as you see us, to see each other the way you see us. God, it is such a gift we just proclaim today, God, that there is no one, no other gaze we need but yours. We don't need to be in anybody else's sight line but yours. That your eyes on us mean everything. It means the sacrifice of your son. It means the salvation of our souls. It means the eternity with you, God. It is everything to us. It will keep us steady in the days to come. And God, do not let us forget it. Remind us that you see us when we go home, when it gets hard again, when we begin to forget. Remind us. Thank you for your gracious hand on us today.